let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Hello and thank you for the last episode of this year, 2021, for Let's Talk About Digital Identity. We are now talking about how to budget projects, identity access management project, and we have very interesting guest for that. Originally from New Zealand, Ian Yoxal started Intragen in 2006 after working for several companies in the US and in London. As principal consultant and CEO of Introgen, Ian has worked on many of the largest projects in the Netherlands and throughout Western Europe. With a broad experience with small and large-scale implementations, both in the private and public sector, he brings a pragmatic approach to problems that arise around identity and access management projects. Prior to joining Introgen, Ian worked for global infrastructure and security vendors and consultancies. Hello, Ian. Good morning. Oh, hello. Uh, and how are you, Oscar? Very good. Nice to have you here, Ian. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Our pleasure. And please tell us a bit more. Yeah, how your career, your life led you to this world of digital identity. Right. Well, that's a, a long train wreck of a story. So let's start off. Originally, I started in consulting as a DBA, working for the various database vendors in infrastructure and then moved across into business consulting, still with an infrastructural angle, looking at infrastructural projects. And one day I arrived in London and sort of fell into banking security. And after that, I dropped into the gravity well that became identity and access management. And once you start down the career of identity and access management, you can't escape. That's it. That's, yeah, you can't go anywhere else. I think one of the things that attracts people to stay in it is it's uh, it's got a high failure rate. I have a personal hobby of, of flying, and when you fly a plane, nobody expects you to do everything perfectly, but it's about making fewer mistakes and reducing your risks. With the rapidly evolving industry that we're in, it attracts plenty of bad actors. We've seen just recently the Log4J issues that have come out, and already that's been weaponized and deployed very, very quickly. So when you've got bad actors who are so willing to try and make a profit here and attack businesses, it's an interesting field to work in. Yeah, it, it is definitely it's an exciting place to be working in these days, right? So many things happening, good and bad, of course, and that's why we are here to, to solve the problems. Exactly, exactly. And, it, and it's that engaging with businesses to help solve those problems that makes it such an exciting field. Absolutely. I know that Intragen works in several industries, education, we are doing projects together in education, but you also work a lot of with SMEs, so medium businesses, uh, non SI large corporations, so some of these who are becoming, but still not there. And often we talk about all the capabilities that advanced identity access management have, everything you can do, but of course that costs money. If there is unlimited budget and time, you can yeah, achieve every, everything that the brightest minds of identity have delivered until now. But how comfortable you can go with you have when you have more tighter budget, we don't have enough budget, but you need, you need I am. So so what would you say about that? So what with some organization you listen to that and yeah, we need I am, but the budget is tight. What can we do? Great question, Oscar. And it's something that we try and engage our clients with on a regular basis is saying, what sort of budget should you set? For the upcoming budget period. And I think it's from a CFO perspective, 
You don't want to be throwing money away, but you do want to be covering risk from the CISO perspective. Let's take the hospital sector. They want to set a budget that delivers as much patient care as possible, but you can't ignore the cyber threat, whether it's fines or whether it's payments that they're making to unlock hospital systems. There has to be budget spent here because it's going to be spent either to the bad actors or preferably to defense against the bad actors. When you look at a lot of projects in this space, generally will set themselves an exceptionally large scope and that they'll have a budget and a time frame of years. And we fundamentally feel that's not a good way to go. Think, what's the fastest time to business value? So when you're replacing old infrastructure, and it might be that you've got an old identity management or access management system, everybody has one. It's just a question of, is it automated? Is it good? Is it ugly or what have you? If you're doing a rip and replace type project, often, okay, we just wanted to do whatever the old system did. But then against that, when are you going to get new business value in there? People want to see business value enhanced and more engagement, particularly with end users to make their lives easier. So if you turn the question on its, on, on its head, and say, look, I, I want to get some really nice goal, get there. So what's my first step? What are the big rocks that I need to put together my, my whole project? Break each of those big rocks down. So when we take access management, probably the first thing you want to do is make sure everybody loves you. So that's going to involve making sure that the SSO elements and the easiest SSO elements are, are as quickly as possible. So you're going to need an MVP, a minimum viable product of infrastructure around access management, getting the user data store sorted, and then looking at all the web apps that you've got in your landscape. Take the ones that are best suited to technology, take, take the business owners there that do want to engage and deliver that. That small budget, that small initial success will create a bigger ripple effect with the organization whereby more business units, applications will want to engage. And that's really it. By doing that small delivery, you've tipped the scales, you've shown people what can be done, and you're able to go back to the CFO and say, look, we did X amount of spend, and we've delivered this level of improvement in security. And for example, we've removed passwords from 10 or 15 applications, improving people's productivity, making them happier, and you know, enjoying what you get with SSO and multi-factor authentication. Yeah, as you said, a minimal viable project in which you, you mentioned, I think, it's mostly well, two main features, single sign-on, that is the basic, basic has to be there, and yeah, replacing password right, with some type of multi-factor authentication. So those are the very basic that, that you think has to be always in mind. Absolutely, because if you start, I mean, it is the one thing. You know, I just had my family and we, have, uh, we all have devices here. And whether it's our Wi-Fi passwords, whether it's the email addresses for school, whether it's their getting into the home network or what have you, they all have different usernames and passwords. And even in my own home, this is a something which falls for some reason under my responsibility. And users who have 5, 10, 15 applications, they don't really love security. They want to get on with their job. So if we're able to make their life better, we're going to affect organizational change. And really looking at, at, at security, it's not about the zeros and ones. It's about that organizational change. And you're only going to be able to do that if you can make people's life easier. If you're going to make it easy for end users to log on with single sign-on, they'll love you for it. Likewise, 
if you're a administrator and have access to privileged accounts, if you can use multi-factor authentication and the same multi-factor authentication for many applications or step-up authentication, it's going to make your life easier, not harder. And that's what we want to be doing in security, improving the security level and making it easier. And I see passwords as being the one thing that if you ask anybody in the street, do you hate your password? And the answer is yes. And of course, by proxy, that means that they hate the security team. It is kind of annoying when you're on a project and nobody wants to sit with you at lunch. So we've got to make their lives easier and make them want to engage. Yeah, absolutely. And I can imagine, I'm sure you know better how many organizations already on medium level, not so small, don't have SSO or, or they have, um, yeah, not, not sufficient. Maybe they have SSO for just a couple of their systems and all the rest is, is not covered. Exactly. And on that, I, I have a, a little follow-up thought. One of the things that we try and do is make it easy to, to decide what to do and how do you prioritize these projects. They'll say, right, let's take all of our applications. I mean, well, do you really want to start there? So what we try and do is say, if you start color coding your applications and say, you know, I've got black applications, which are, you know, super secret. I've got red ones, which have uh, finance and I've got green ones and yellow ones and purple ones and blue ones. And you put them in buckets that way, and then you're not trying to cover your whole landscape. And what you can report back, as you engage with those businesses, you can report back and say, like, we've covered all of our, our red applications now. All that stuff which is in, in the cloud or on a web server internally, we now have it 100% secured. And is something which you can report back to the board, and they get an insight into saying, oh, yeah, we've asked the security to step in. They've come back. And we now know a definable metric that we've actually improved our security. Rather than say, I've done 20 applications out of 400, if you do that by color coding, that in itself, it makes sense to people. If you say, I've done 20% of my applications, well, that good? Is that bad? I don't know. So knowing what good looks like and using that color coding system, even for something as a simple step such as SSO, this is a great way to communicate and engage users. Yeah, I believe more and more... Sounds more tangible and easier to explain no? with someone, let's say the, the manager of that company has to convince people, others in the, in the company, we, this is important. Yeah, it's a, definitely a good one, a good way to, to continue the conversation. Another thing that implies money indirectly is when time goes long, no? you, you, you plan one IAM project or any project, let's say for six months and it goes longer and that means more money. So how would you avoid running overtime on IAM project? I'm sure you have a lot of interesting stories to tell us. Yeah, sadly, uh, both good and bad. You know, every project is always going to give you a new set of challenges. And how do you deal with those challenges? You know, there's a great quote from uh, the British naval historian and author uh, Cyril uh, Northcote Parkinson, who said, you know, it's a commonplace observation that work expands to fill the available time for its completion. If you ask somebody to tidy their room and you give them, I have children, so you give them two hours to tidy the room, they'll take two hours. If you give them 10 minutes, they'll do it in 10 minutes. So how do you, again, not just looking at budget, but on time, how do you do that with identity access management projects? I think there was a good report from Gartner a few years back saying that the number one killer of these projects is scope creep. And it's very, very difficult to rein that in because there are always things in every project that creep up. So you've got to have, first off, exceptionally strong project governance, uh, not just on the project manager, on the project sponsors, and communicated that. Let's say you do increase the project scope for a very good reason, then that is still going to be a delay and will be perceived as a delay, whether it's doing things such as saying, well, this is the MVP 
core and then MVP extra. Any way in which you can separate that out and do it as the next step and the next follow-up absolutely needs to be done because something we talk about is losing the coffee corner argument where people will talk about a project, about the perception of the project, and particularly on security, where even when you're taking, let's take the password example. Up to now, people have been using 10 passwords and they knew their 10 passwords. You're going to replace that with single sign-on. It's a change. Nobody likes change. If there's something that goes wrong, and generally something goes wrong in all projects, they're going to blame the project. So it's very important to take small bites at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Small incremental steps that deliver business value for each step and resist the temptation to increase scope. Put that into a tomorrow bucket. Always find a way to define a a separate list. And that's one of the reasons why we really like doing projects in an agile manner. Again, looking at, let's take access management, it's very relevant. You're going to need to have the relevant service set up, that core infrastructure. But that's a relatively small part of the project. What's going to take most of the time on the project is getting the application factory to onboard applications. By doing that in sprints, saying, you know, we'll do five applications this week or 10 applications this week, depending on how big your factory is, you're able to deliver business value quickly and show people that it's actually progressing. You can increase size of the factory by turning the tap up or tap down on funding. And by delivering value each sprint, it's tangible to the business. They actually get to see from a risk perspective that the attack surface is reduced. You're reducing costs because you've got fewer password resets and you're making everybody's life easier. So step by step, as long as you're always delivering business value, instead of doing it in three months increments or 12 month increments, I was walking, talking to a project a few days ago and they'd been doing a three year phase. Nothing would be delivered for three years. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't remember anything for more than three weeks, let alone three years. That sort of approach, we've got to move away from these big projects. And let's be honest, a lot of consultancies like to work this way because it's got a big budget attached to it. It's a, you know, you can put a lot of people on it. It's very easy to plan resourcing that way, but it doesn't really work for clients. And I think we as an industry, we need to make sure that we're making clients' lives easier not harder because the projects do go on. They do become business as usual processes. There will always be new cloud applications coming along. You want to make it trivially easy for the business to say, oh, gone and added a new cloud application. It just came on. It's fantastic. It does everything we want. Can you tie that into SSO? That takes you longer than a couple of business days to engage with them, plan it and get it done. You're doing it wrong. And I think that's one of the values that companies like UbiSecure bring, standards-based ways to onboard these applications and really integrate the security. I've seen so many data breaches from, luckily, ex-customers, but still the data breaches that caused millions of losses and damages where these orphaned accounts don't get picked up. And with cloud computing, which is fantastic and great and enables businesses to move quickly, if we as IT security can't make sure that we're enabling the business to choose the applications they want and onboard them so that we're taking away this problem, we're really not doing a good job if we can't do that in a fast and easy way and make sure that those sprints are done quickly. So have your dot on the horizon for 100% coverage, but make sure that every single quarter or whatever accounting period you've got where you're reporting progress versus budget, you can actually write down tangible business benefits. And this is what's been going on. The board needs to know 
that things are working. And it's up to us to do a better job of explaining that. I see a lot of reporting up to the board on these projects where people say the project is now progressing through phase one. Well, what does that mean? If we can say we have taken out 30 business critical systems and made sure that then there are no simple passwords to be hacked there, they've all got password rotation on there on the using multi-factor authentication. We've got uh, in- encryption enabled via a single SSO access. This is the kind of stuff that they can say, okay, I understand that. I can see why we're funding these things. So yeah, sorry about the big rant there, but you know, getting that corporate governance risk framework to match what we're doing in security, it's really important to have those communication so that people can see, yes, it takes time, but during each of these cycles in time, it's fixing things and it can't be words. It's got to be metrics. Yeah, you mentioned the scope creep. So that one of the main yeah, potential cause of problems uh, is starting, trying to start with a too big scope, trying to put too much, and that will very likely became longer and longer. And as you said, getting these called sprints or phases in which you get results. That's absolutely uh, great. You mentioned, for instance, reporting to boards. So now we are, if you think of uh, smaller companies, less regulated companies, mid-market companies, organizations that they also are building products or services for their, for their customers. Yeah, how they can, with the investment they are doing, maximize time to value for the services they are building. Yeah, good good question. So when I started this a long time ago, back when my hair was a different color, it was it was all very artwork to put these projects together. I remember when the SAML standards started getting released. So this is the days before OAuth or what have you. So the first thing is you've got to base your, your security vision on a standards-based product. So leveraging scalable products that off-the-shelf functionality that matches what you're looking for. So for example, Does it have a user data store that can be extended to support the various needs you have? What's the vision of the company? Does it match your own vision? Using these products that are are well-defined and well-understood and have clear standards in them, they're off the shelf. So it should really be a plug-and-play type approach. I'm seeing more and more companies want to move away from bespoke development. They want a roadmap that lets them get to things as... uh, Well, let's take the Joe Biden quote. He's been talking about single sign-on and cloud computing and zero trust. So defining those components that, you know, you can't buy zero trust. Defining those components means you're going to need to leverage scalable products off the shelf that can be tied together relatively quickly. So, yeah, that's the first thing I'd say is choose products that aren't going to require a massive amount of customization. And I think some of the organizations that we've seen there have taken a sort of a, a gated funding approach to say, well, here's a ton of money, go and do X and go and do Y and go and do Z. You learn as you go along on these projects. Every organization we deal with, it has a vision on security, but as you engage with the business, you discover a whole bunch of issues and challenges that are different and the company's vision of what security looks like, of what good looks like, will change very quickly. I'm dealing with a customer right now who's about to start their project in January, and they are clinging on to the belief that they can know every problem that they're going to face a two-year project on day one. And the short answer is, you just can't do that. So taking a more agile approach, understanding that you don't know everything that there'll be, there will be her kickups. It's just a safer, easier way to go because you can't know everything around these spaces. So 
whether it's we talked about the profile database, do you know you're going to need that? Well, in which case, then make sure you're going to choose a product with that. But there may be other aspects you don't know yet. So be prepared for those unknown unknowns. And who, as I said, in, in a SMEs, in a medium organization, from that side, from the customer side, from the organization side, who would lead this project? Who is the, yeah, the best person to lead this project? Yeah, actually, I'm about to head to a meeting to discuss that. So it's important you've got to define your stakeholders fairly widely. So, of course, IT has a role to play in here, but it can't be an IT party. That's the sort of guarantee of failure, I guess. Uh, failure is a strong word, but you're only ever going to get an initial deployment within the things that IT sees. And IT has a very narrow focus of the business. So it's important to get people will say engage with the business. Well, who is the business? The, whether it's finance, whether it's whatever operational units you have that do whatever you do as a business, engage with them, understand their problems. What are the 10 things, if they're logging on 15 times a day, if they have a problem with people getting access, what are those things? You need to engage with those people. If they're not with their hands in the steering committee, it's going to very quickly become a, a pure IT exercise. And that, that's just an academic thing, which will deliver a project, but it'll be, if you will, a successful failure. You need to engage with the heads of business to bank, you know, talk to the head of trading. If you're talking to a hospital, you want to be talking to the, the heads of department of the different areas, you know, whether in radiology or what have you. You need to be talking to those people. What are the real things that happen in their day so that you can, you can match things up? Yeah, so it sounds like there's not only one single person in the customer side. So it's going to be you, you as I am vendor of a consulting with Ben selling the solution, the the full solution had to convince several of these persons, uh, including IT, of course, to join forces. Yeah, and, exactly. And getting that ownership of the systems. Who then owns that core infrastructure? Should it stay with IT or should those business processes be within somewhere else? I mean, one of the things, whether you're looking at uh, customer identity and access management, marketing has a huge role here. And it's important for them to understand what the user journey is and what we're, what we're delivering there. I know we've all had that experience where we try and buy something online and, you know, it's like, I want your date of birth and, you know, you're buying a pen or whatever it is. It's like, why do you need to know my date of birth if I buy it? Make the buying experience as simple as it is when you go into a shop. You go into a shop, you get something off the shelf, you walk up to the counter, you do a financial transaction. Is it really essential to capture all that, that information of the end user? Make that the easiest, happiest process ever and you'll get customers back just this week. I was rather in the run up to Christmas, I was buying things online. And in some of the customer identity access management sites I was at were so painful, I just closed it down. I'd already picked everything, put it in the basket. So making sure that you're engaging with the stakeholders who are going to be using whatever security system you've got in place is fundamental. Yeah, absolutely. And we also know that some organizations already have the policy of a gated funding approach for, well, for most of, of their projects, right? Including IAM, that could be one of those. So what would you say about a gated funding approach? What are the problems you have found in our organizations who are into these good results? When you look at projects, people are obviously very concerned about this scope creep issue. So they'll try and define a fixed scope with a fixed set of deliverables with a fixed budget. That sounds like a good idea, 
However, you're always going to, you know, and when you baseline that plan, it all looks great and you start on day one. But whether it's on day two or day 10 or day 50, there will be changes come along. And how do you then account for that? Do you want to do exception reports, requests for additional budget and so forth? So you can control a project that way. We find it's a good approach, but it's not the best approach. It tends to lead to waterfall type thinking and thinking that there will be a deliverably, a deliverable, and then the project will stop. And as we know, security never stops. It becomes business as usual. So once it has the best in- intentions, no project ever completes the scope exactly as it was set. So then designing a project with a, a minimal viable product for infrastructure and then moving quickly to an agile-based approach where you can have a backlog, vary the pace of the project according to funding, so you're still controlling the spend. The deliverables, again, are this is what we delivered for this budget. We're learning as we go. And our understanding of the IT security landscape and how it engages with the business is evolving as a company. There isn't a company out there that wakes up and says, I'd like to do identity nexus management now. No. They, well, we do because that's our business. But every other company out there trying to do some other business problem, and they're trying to solve that for their customers and their employees or whoever the stakeholders are. And to get that thing delivered, they need to do identity and access management. So then they come to us and are looking for us as the experts in the field for what's the best approach. So again, buy a package, leverage what's in the package, deliver the minimum viable product, learn as you go, educate the business, and it's about affecting organizational change. And that can have a budget set, but understand that it will vary And you need to make sure you have good progress reporting, good dashboards on what has been delivered, understanding the key metrics around identity access management. Maybe it's about how many fewer password resets you're doing. Or again, we talked about what scope of systems are covered. Are all the red and yellow and green systems covered? Rather than just saying, you know, 70% of our applications you know, what does good look like? We don't know. So again, we need to educate people on what those KPIs and measures are, what they need to do to find their big rocks, put the dot on the horizon, and then say, we would set a budget of around this amount, but monitor progress versus budget, increasing the velocity of a project by adding more expert services in, or decrease your spend and your velocity to stay within the budget you need to do. We saw the zero-day attacks come out with this Log4j. Obviously, people would have been very busy that first weekend getting all of their engineers to start scanning all of their systems and patching everything as quickly as they can. That's a that's going to be have a big impact on budget. You can't know these things in advance. So you have to be able to turn the tap up and down in response to the environment. Yeah, excellent, excellent. You're definitely very, very tactically important what you said the uh, the importance of reporting, knowing the status, and yeah, going uh, step by step, uh, sprint by sprint, uh, being agile, as you said. When we moved from passwords ourselves, because we were originally, we had our little, well, data center is a strong term for it, but we had a room full of computers. And then we moved 100% cloud, and then, you know, with a complete SSO MFA solution as well. Getting the base infrastructure in place didn't take long. What took the long time was and you're tying all the elements together. So being able to report on that, we know we've in our own dog food. We know the challenges clients have. So 
we have a lot of sympathy and understand that you can't pick up everything on day one. So what's the easy way to apply a budget to something and then monitor that and deliver that and show people that you've delivered it? If it remains a secret, it's no use. If you're able to evangelize that throughout the organization, you're going to get the organizational change you're looking for. If you look at it from a security perspective, everybody talks about the X factor, the day, the bad end user. Getting the X factor to understand, hey, security is not here to make your life bad. We've got to engage these end users so that they don't run in fear and they do want to sit with us at the lunch table. <laughs> Ian, uh, final question for you, for all business leaders listening to this conversation we're having. What is the one actionable idea that they should write on their agendas today? Talk to me. No, sorry. <laughs> <Joke. laughs> Talk to Ian, write on that. <laughs> exactly. I've got all the answers they need. No, no. Um, that's a bit facetious there. So if there's one thing that you need to do as a business, it's have a plan here, have an actionable plan with actionable insights. So that's going to comprise of a couple of elements. You need to know where you are. If you don't know where you are, then you don't know how far you've got to go. If you just say, for example, here's a ton of money to go implement PAM or MFA or what have you, well, where are you and how is the landscape changed? So you need an assessment of where you are now, which should take a couple of weeks to get done, measuring a number of aspects around identity management, access management, role management, PAM, and so on and so forth, business alignments, and then say, okay, looking at these measures, which one item do I want to fix first? You need to have actionable insights come from that. And that's the key thing I'd say. If there's one thing, having actionable insights in security that you can say, I need to do X now, not in a month or in six weeks, because cybersecurity can be a nebulous problem. It can feel, okay, I read another hacking story and what have you, or that company had a data breach or what have you. You've got to have actionable insights that say to the CFO, allocate budget, that give the CISO something to talk about and say, these items need addressing. So the CEO can then make the decision, yeah, that's good. Let's go get those things done. And then with those actionable insights, what are the KPIs and metrics associated with that? So that when it's delivered, you can show how you've moved the needle. Now that the needle's done and you've solved that problem, go back to the list. What's the next actionable insight? If you're not able to prove that you're fixing things, then you're just spending money and people kind of wonder, what are those security guys doing in the corner there? They're costing a lot of money and they're in, you know, half the time we can't even log on. You've got to be able to prove those actionable insights and the delivery of them to everybody in the company. I was at a company recently in the middle of their lobby. They have uh, all sorts of dashboards on big TV screens. And I was happy to see that they now added the security dashboards on there as well so people could see things going to green, lines trending the correct way, traffic lights being the right color. That's exactly what we need to do to show people, yep, IT security is doing what it needs to do. So if it's just one thing I have to say, I know I said a lot there, define actionable insights for your business that will improve your security posture and demonstrate that. Yeah, and that dashboard, for instance, it could be in a visible place on the on the office. Yeah, that's something that, like the ideal of what we were discussing today. Well, thanks a lot, Ian, for this very interesting conversation. Please let us know how people would like to f continue the conversation with you, how to find you on the net. 
Right. Yeah. So please reach out to my LinkedIn profile. It's an open profile. I'd love to hear from you, whether you've got problems or you want to agree with me or disagree with me. Always happy to engage with people. And I'd like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and all the best for 2022 and happy security days out there. Thanks a lot, Ian. And for you, Ian, for everybody who is listening, there, Happy New Year. Happy New Year 2022. And see you next year. Thank you very much, Oscar. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity produced by Ubisecure. Stay up to date with episode at ubisecure.com slash podcast or join us on Twitter at Ubisecure and use the hashtag LTADI. Until next time, 